this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today covid-19 and the fear around it may have gone away but over the past few weeks india has been rocked by cases of fever and intense cough people across states have been falling sick and some have even had to be hospitalized Last week the Indian Council of Medical Research said these cases are linked to influenza A the H3N2 subtype virus that causes flu The council said that surveillance data had shown a spike in these cases in India So what is the H3N2 virus who is vulnerable to it what symptoms can it cause and is there a vaccine that can be taken We explore these questions and more with Dr Subramanian Swaminathan Director Infectious Diseases and Infection Control Glen Eagles Global Hospital in Chennai. Good morning Dr Subramanian Swaminathan and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Hi, lovely to be here. Doctor for the past few weeks India seems to have been rocked with a number of viral infection cases. We are hearing about cases across states Maharashtra, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, Delhi everywhere. And now the ICMR has recently said that this is the influenza A H3N2 subtype. Could you tell us a little bit about this please? So the first thing is uh, as you have noted correctly there is an increase in the number of viral respiratory infections and obviously the states that are recording it are obviously recording much more and uh, the other states probably are not recording as many simply because their surveillance systems may not be as excellent as uh, some other states now the second issue is that this is not just an india phenomenon it's a global worldwide phenomenon in the united states they are calling it a triplandemic simply because uh, there are three particular viruses that they are seeing running rampant through their country and causing a lot of grief and misery this winter season so therefore this is more of a global phenomenon and we are also mirroring some of that and lastly uh, this h3n2 is a bit of a newcomer for us although it was seen in the united states in the previous season itself for us it's a bit of a new phenomenon and therefore we are seeing a slightly excess numbers this year because of this new phenomenon what is it doctor exactly it's an influenza subtype correct so it's a type of flu basically absolutely so uh, obviously when we talk about uh, respiratory viral infections it's not just a single virus there are very many different viruses which cause respiratory illness so respiratory viral illness is a very generic diagnosis that we give for infection due to many infections like covid is obviously something that everybody is familiar with a lot of people may know about influenza and swine flu as we call it which is h1n1 subtype of influenza but there are obviously other subtypes of influenza uh, which is influenza a and b c doesn't usually cause much of a human problem and uh, h1n1 incidentally comes under influenza a but there are other influenza a's in addition to this there are other viruses which also cause respiratory infections like what we call rsv respiratory syncytial virus other coronaviruses para influenza virus metapneumovirus there's a whole gamut of different viruses which can do this now of the lot uh, covid obviously hit the headlines for a lot of reasons but influenza has been the prototype virus that we have usually been worried about because in some patients at least it can lead to severe disease and swine flu is something that everybody is familiar with as a poster child for influenza 
So is this H3N2 also a cause for concern, doctor? So the way we look at it is whenever there is a change, it changes the dynamics. So we have generally been dealing with influenza. And when in 2008-2009, when H1N1 came out, H1N1 had been not circulating for nearly about 50 odd years. And suddenly when it came out, it caused an excess number of uh, respiratory viral infections and also deaths. So what we do understand is whenever there's a change in the type of the influenza virus, it can lead to more uh, grief, both in terms of uh, people falling ill and also people falling very severely ill. So that's the reason why we worried about it. H3N2 is not a new virus per se, but it's something that's not been in circulation at least to a significant amount for a very long time. So it's kind of newish for a lot of people and therefore many people may not have pre-existing immunity to it. And therefore, this year we are seeing an excess number of patients falling ill with this variant. What is happening to the patients, doctor? Are there more patients being hospitalized? Is there anybody particularly at risk? Such as in COVID, they told us the elderly and infants, for instance, were particularly at risk. Excellent question. So, influenza, the majority of people will have a very mild illness. But we'll come back to the mildness in a little while because it's not really mild in the way people think. There's a lot of grief associated with it. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let's talk about what really scares people. The need for hospitalization, the need to go into an intensive care unit and, you know, the risk to life. Is there a risk? The answer is absolutely yes. With every influenza virus, there is a risk both uh, to the risk of hospitalization and to uh, and for life. But this risk is primarily in patients who already have severe medical problems and the elderly. That is why it is recommended for that those above 65 and those with significant medical problems like those on dialysis, cancer treatment, you know, organ transplant, uh, bad diabetes, all these people should get the annual influenza shot to mitigate this risk. So, yes, they are. Uh, there are a subgroup of people who are at very high risk. Children also fall sick. But what is interesting is this year around, we are not seeing that many children falling so sick. And they are bouncing back fairly well. But adults are primarily the ones who are bearing the brunt of the illness at this point of time. Have we seen patients in the hospital and in the ICU? The answer is yes. Uh, if they come in early into care and they are started on appropriate medications and they are managed appropriately, they are expected to make a good recovery. But it all depends. Uh, people who have previous significant medical conditions, you know, it can trigger a heart attack. So if they are already high risk for that, then the heart attack can be catastrophic for them. So obviously, early recognition and all that can mitigate it. But yes, there is an increased burden on the healthcare because of this. Now, coming back to this mild illness that we talk about. Again, what is mild? Everybody assumes that if you only have a cough and fever and you don't need hospitalization, it is mild. But a number of people, I mean, I'm talking about a huge number of people, have ended up having a prolonged cough, either due to what we call a post-nasal drip or an asthma-like symptom, which makes them miserable for a month, month and a half, necessitates doctors' visits fairly frequently, uh, requiring maybe x-rays, scans, additional blood testing, reduction of productivity, missing days off uh, due to sickness and things like that. So, uh, is there a significant burden? The answer is absolutely yes. But remember, all of this will still be classified as only mild disease because the flu per se did not 
cause the patient to be in a hospital, but the amount of grief that the flu has caused is not something that we include in the classification of the severity. Doctor, coming back to something you mentioned earlier, you said annual flu shots. So, how how effective are vaccines against this, and what what are the vaccines for flu? Okay, so we've had flu vaccination available for decades now, and we have slowly moved from the trivalent flu vaccine to the quadrivalent flu vaccine. And the problem is, we are producing the vaccine before the season. So there is an al- there are, they use algorithms to kind of predict which way the flu virus will move and then produce the vaccine. That is the reason why every year the match is not is not predictable. Some years the flu vaccine matches the virus very very beautifully, in which case your protection is very very good. And in some years uh, the match is a little off, in which case the protection is a little lower. But however, even on the bad years there is still reasonable protection. That's the first thing people need to know. The second thing is, uh, the quadrivalent flu vaccine is a broad vaccine which covers many different types of influenza and therefore it does give broad protection against many different types. The concern is specifically against H3N2. There is a little bit of a deficiency in its coverage of H3N2 because the current technology as such in the production of the flu vaccine is a little challenging in developing a really good vaccine which covers H3N2 very, very well. And that is a gap which is currently being assessed. There is new technology which is coming out. And with that kind of technology, the coverage of H3N2 would be even better. But it has to be mentioned that the current uh, technology makes H3N2 coverage suboptimal. Who needs to take the vaccine, doctor? Okay. So, everybody who is high risk for developing severe influenza and its complication are automatically natural choices. For, develop, for taking the vaccine on a yearly basis. So, everybody 65 and older should take the flu vaccine every year. Remember, it's not just protection against influenza. It is also protection against secondary pneumonia. And it also protects to a good extent against the heart attacks and the heart failures that are triggered by influenza. Most people don't realize that this is actually a heart, heart attack protective intervention, not just a flu protective intervention. Also, uh, people who are high risk for complications secondary to influenza, which includes uh, diabetics, those on dialysis, uh, cancer patients, organ transplant patients, liver disease, heart disease, lung disease, all those people who have, or uh, HIV, uh, those who are on steroids or rheumatological medications. But the most important category, as per the WHO, is actually pregnant women. And they should be offered the flu vaccine at every pregnancy. Right. Doctor, the ICMR, when it was talking about the H3N2 subtype, told us that air pollution is a contributing factor. Uh, Since this has been a major issue of late, especially in cities like uh, Delhi and the NCR, could you talk to us a little bit about this? Well, if that were the only factor, then you'd have to ask how come we are seeing an excess number in uh, states that are not uh, reporting high levels of pollution. I mean, I think Chennai is enjoying fairly good uh, air quality just now. I haven't looked at the AQI, but uh, I mean, my wife and I, we go for a walk in the morning and we find the air to be quite reasonably good. So, can I explain everything? The answer is no. But does it contribute to the misery? The answer is yes. So, like I said, after influenza, there is a triggering of certain things, including uh, an asthma-like problem, meaning people start wheezing and it can go on for a significant period of time. 
and a poor air quality can make this far worse so can air quality add on to the misery of influenza the answer is yes but is air quality alone the reason for the numbers of influenza patients that we are seeing no i don't think we should interpret it that way right but you talked about the prolonged cough and the wheezing so air pollution could contribute to that absolutely doctor the icmr and the indian medical association both have warned against the use of over the counter antibiotics to uh, battle this influenza talk to us a little bit about this is this becoming a problem and in general uh, what what can you do uh, to treat viral respiratory infections of this sort okay that's a very important question thank you for asking that so more than 100 years ago the father of uh, person who is considered the father of modern clinical medicine sir william osler he said what separates man from other animals is his desire to take medications he was kind of right but also wrong i would revise that and say what separates man from other animals is his desire to take antibiotics i am yet to see a patient run to a pharmacy saying i think i have a cancer growing inside of me i need some cancer medicines or i think my blood pressure is a little high can i have some blood pressure medicines nobody says that on the other hand everybody walks to a pharmacy and says i've got a fever i want an antibiotic and that is a a kind of a message that we have either consciously or subconsciously sent out into the community and this is actually very very bad for us so the most important thing people should understand is viral infections have uh, do not have, get benefited by use of antibiotics routine use of antibiotics only makes things worse the second thing is people often say how come uh, supposing there is a secondary bacterial pneumonia the chance of a secondary bacterial pneumonia is actually quite low and studies have shown that you can't really prevent this by having an antibiotic up front you can treat it if it happens but taking an antibiotic up front doesn't change anything third every time you take an antibiotic you increase the risk of developing drug resistant infections and everybody knows that uh, it's become a big killer everybody knows to go to a hospital or had a loved one in a hospital will hear this term of drug resistant or multi drug resistant infections and you really don't want to have all those things and fourth please understand that antimicrobial agents especially antibiotics are not simple medicines there are significant complications and side effects associated with many of these drugs and uh, it's not if you want to take something which is relatively non toxic i would advise a multivitamin but uh, definitely not an anti antibiotic because a it will not help you and b it could really hurt you so what would be a treatment at home doctor excellent so there are two parts but one is of course if you have a flu like illness see your doctor very early because if we start a specific antiviral within the first 48 hours you get better faster but even other than that there are some simple things which people can do which will make their life a little easier the first thing is that with influenza a lot of people report a lot of body ache and tiredness now hydration is very key people try to eat food yes you have to be watchful of it if you have specific uh, medical issues like diabetes i agree but most importantly i tell people to hydrate 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 keep drinking lots and lots and lots and lots of fluids if the fluid level in the body goes down then the body ache immediately starts rising the fatigue starts rising you start becoming achy 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 so drinking as much as possible and i mean water will definitely help i do not recommend any other types of fluids being used maybe juice and things like that is fine if you are uh, if you are not uh, diabetic and that's okay with you coconut water buttermilk any kind of fluids uh, soups all of these are very very good the second thing is paracetamol 
up to three tablets of paracetamol is safe for almost everybody, all adults, I mean, not children. Children, the dose has to be calculated. And the idea is not to make the problem go away. I keep telling my patients, paracetamol is not going to make you completely fine. It's not meant to make the problem go away, but it's meant to make your life livable. Take the paracetamol. Don't wait for the fever to come. Because once the fever comes in, all the attendant problems like body ache and loss of appetite and everything else comes in. And if you take the paracetamol, only the temperature comes down. All the other things do not go away. On the other hand, if you keep taking paracetamol three to four times a day on schedule, you reduce the amount of these bad chemicals coming out and your misery comes down. So don't chase fever, don't chase numbers. You got a fever, you got a fever. How does it matter whether it's 101 or 103? It's still fever. It's not going to change the way we manage. So taking regular paracetamol for at least three days, hydrating aggressively, getting enough rest, please stay home. Don't try to say, I'll go to the office today and work a little bit. You will make yourself completely miserable and you will end up transmitting it to other people. And of course, see your doctor as quickly as possible to see if the antivirals could be an option for you. The transmitting part is interesting, doctor. How, how easily is this being transmitted at the moment? Very easily. The thing is that it's not as horrible as uh, COVID, but it is extremely transmissible. It is uh, a droplet infection. It's a true droplet infection. So unless you are standing face-to-face with the patient, influenza is not going to spread by air because the droplet has to literally hit you. But it's very common through fomite transmission. So if you have uh, uh, inanimate surfaces like the doorknob or the tap or you know a telephone, things like that, if anybody touches that and uh, it's not wiped down and you touch it and you touch yourself in the dangerous area, the eyes, the nose and the mouth, then immediately it will transmit to you. So this is where personal protection makes a big difference. Wearing a mask will reduce transmission. If the person who is infected is wearing the mask, then they stop uh, uh, spewing out the virus to everybody else. If you wear a mask, then you, you reduce the chance of the virus getting to the dangerous area. And again, hand hygiene. Hygiene, hygiene, hygiene. So wash your hands with just soap and water if you can't find the you know, hand scrub and all that stuff. Even that is very effective. And of course, wiping down uh, frequently used to touch surfaces is a good idea. Simple things like that will be, will be more than adequate. Air handling is not that important unless, of course, you're in a medical establishment where it's a little different. Uh, for us, it's different when we have patients on ventilator and all that. It changes the dynamics. But overall, even this much is more than adequate to reduce the risk of transmission. So that circles us right back to COVID-19 precautions. Well, not so bad, isn't it? Because in COVID-19, the duration of infectivity was much longer than influenza. Influenza, 24 hours after your fever breaks, you're no longer infected. With COVID, we never really knew how long we were infected. And it took a long time for us to figure that out. Second thing is, in COVID, a lot of people were infected without having significant symptoms. In flu, you will have symptoms. So it's easy to find out who is infected and who is not infected. So you can easily tell people, guys, you know, if you're symptomatic, stay home. Wait for 24 hours after you're symptom-free and then get back to work. See, that part is very easy. You couldn't really do that with COVID. The other thing is, of course, the transmission dynamics. With airborne transmission, it becomes very, very difficult to control anything. We were talking about opening out windows, having air exchanges, all that stuff. With influenza, you really don't need that much. But yes, many other things are quite similar. But uh, no, it's not going to be a gargantuan proposal like how we had COVID in 2020 or 2021. 
Right. Final question, doctor. So when are we expecting this? How, how do these viral infections sort of peak and wane, correct? So will we see that as well with this one? Absolutely. So would we have a few more seasons of H3N2? It's extremely possible. But for this year, we are getting close to the end of the flu season. Uh, again, the flu season kind of depends on which part of the country you are in. This is a little weird because it's a new, kind of a new variant for us. It's kind of taken off at this time. For most parts of India, the flu season is after the rains. So by June is when the flu season starts for most parts of India. And it goes on till about October or November. For Jammu and Kashmir and Tamil Nadu, the flu season starts in about November and goes on till about March. But either way, I think we are at the tail end of the flu season. In another 10 days, maybe, I think things will be much, much better. But having said that, this influenza is not going to go anywhere. It's likely to keep circulating at a very low level and uh, could create trouble for us in the next flu season as well. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely a pleasure. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.